Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The like and subscribe buttons as we get set for an episode preview in this weekend's fantastic fixture list across Europe's top leagues ahead of the World Cup break. Great show on tap today. Uh, we look ahead to the Premier League fixtures, of course, Serie A fixtures. We'll look at the rest of Europe and also get the thoughts on uh, which we believe will be the next Premier League manager to be getting the chop from our guys. Today, I've got Michael LaHood. I've got Jonathan Johnson and James Bench with me. First and foremost, how are we all doing? Let's start with the English. James Bench, how are you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic. We've just had the England squad, and I know we're going to get into that very briefly. Uh, it's fine, everyone. It's fine. It's not that bad. Uh, so I'm delighted with that. John? I mean, can it really be as bad as the USMNT? Oh, I know I'm, nothing I'm like red rags to a ball for Mike <laughs> We've started, Mike. We've started early. Oh, man. I tell you what. I booked an extra therapy session. I already had one after the United match. It's double duty this week. Let's just get into it. All right, let's get into it. I want to do something a little bit different on House of Champions this week as we preview the weekend's fixtures. We'll get into the fixtures in just a minute, but we're sort of at the midway point in the season. So I'd like to get your opinion, maybe a round-the-horn discussion pretty quickly on best team, best title race, best player, uh, biggest surprise, what else do I have here, biggest disappointment, and best managers. Is that okay that we could do something like that, James Benj? Are you good with that? No, but let's do it. All right, let's start with best team. I'll start <laughs> off... What I'll do, I'll ask you, I'll give you the topic. I want you to give me your name. No response, nothing other than just the name. Michael Hood, then Jonathan. I want you to go in that order, please. And then we'll have a quick discussion about each subject. We'll start with best team, James Bench, across all of Europe's top five leagues. I'm, I'm cheating already. And Napoli and Arsenal. No, you can only choose one. 
Uh, Napoli. Nice choice as well. Mm, mm, mm. I like the non-biased nature, Mr. Bench. I'm going to go the Germans. Bayern Munich. That's interesting. Uh, I'm trying to avoid repeat picks. Uh, and I think it could be one of Union Berlin or Freiburg in terms of Germany. I'm going to go for Lens in France. I like that, Gigi. I like that, Gigi. Um, I'm going to go for Napoli just because they've blown us all the way there. Uh, let's discuss it real quickly. So Napoli um, obviously have done us uh, proud with what they've done in Champions League and also what they've done in Serie A. But let's discuss uh, some of the unusual picks here. Let's start with you, JJ, because Longs, obviously, we don't talk a lot about them. We talk about PSG pretty much most of the time when we discuss about what's happening in French football. But real quickly, what are they doing that are surprising you to make them be your pick this week? Well, they're second in the table competing with PSG for the title with like, I mean, I wouldn't even say half the budget. I mean, they're sort of halfway down the league in terms of budgets, but... Compared to PSG, everyone's got a tiny budget, even some of the bigger clubs. I mean, Lens, I think for them, what they've done since returning to Ligue 1 in general has been phenomenal. But what they're doing at the moment, this is like a continuation of the really impressive work that they've done in those two seasons since getting back to the top flight. They've missed out on Europe just by a fraction in both of the last two seasons, consecutive seventh place finishes. But if you look at what they're doing relative to, to the money that they spend on the transfer market, uh, you know the, the the way that they perform as a team as well, which Mike Lahoud can can attest to, <laughs> having seen it up close against Marseille recently. Yep. I mean, I, I know I keep banging the drum about them, but it is really, really impressive to see them up there in second at the moment. Sure, we can have an argument about how some of the bigger teams, the Lyons, the Marseilles, maybe even the Monacos, should be a bit higher up and perhaps putting a bit more pressure on PSG. But to have Lens up there within five points of PSG is huge. It's huge for Ligue 1 and it's huge for them as well. And they are a big club with you know a really loyal fan base. They make a fantastic amount of noise, whether they're at home, whether they're away, bring a lot of colour uh, you know, to, to the domestic game. And I can only cross my fingers and hope that they manage to make it back into Europe for next season because I think that they would be a phenomenal addition to the the continental menu. JJ, having seen them in person at the Velodrome, I was really amazed at how solid they are, but every team has heroes in it. Who are some of the standout players for this Lance team? I mean, I think it's very difficult to look beyond Seko Fofana on the pitch. Obviously, he's been a big part of their progress over the last couple of years since they returned to Ligan. He joined from Udinese, hadn't really, uh, you know, sort of hit the heights that many expected because, you know, he was on Man City's books for a while, a player with a massive amount of talent. Uh, you know, so when people look at the the best performers on the pitch, you've got him, you've got Jonathan Close, who obviously was playing for Marseille when you saw him, but was a big part of Lens' uh, success story in their first couple of seasons back in Nigan, but I think the real hero in all of this is Franquez, the, the coach. Uh, I think he's done a phenomenal job. Let's bear in mind that he was appointed after Montaigne was moved out, basically oversaw two games, which they managed to get themselves into the, into, into the promotion places with the early cancellation of the season because of COVID, they then go up. Uh, but instead of, you know, just sort of, I don't know, maybe sort of having like a middling experience in the gun, he suddenly led them to the verge of competing for Europe. And this is somebody who was coaching the reserve team before he took over at senior level as well. So I think Franquez deserves massive credit. I fancy him to sort of be the next 
big sort of managerial thing coming out of France after Christophe Geltier. Uh, and obviously, it's not all about Ez. You've got a, a really, really good setup at that club. Very impressive. Uh, they've just lost head of recruitment, uh, Florent Gisolfi, to, to Nice, but they've moved well to a point from within. Uh, and I think, you know, as a whole, uh, you know, they are just a very, very well-run organization, making the most of, you know, what is quite a limited budget. I wouldn't say it's it's shoestring, but it's not as big as some of the other bigger names in Nigan. Uh, you know, and I think there are a number of unsung heroes, but certainly Ez is somebody you are going to be hearing about a lot more in the next couple of years. When we can decided we, to do this, we, I never thought we were doing bedtime stories with Jonathan Johnson about Lons here. Thanks can we very punish much, JJ. <laughs> we need to punish him by taking Liga and off the running order, surely. Oh, if man. no Liga and no should, Aston Villa, it's all you know, off. I take the blame. I should have. All right. We're moving on. Thank you, Michael Hood, for the question there. But a terrific response. They only lost one yeah. game and only conceded nine goals. Very impressive. We're going to move a lot faster through this one. Best title race, James Bench. Let's go. Uh, the Netherlands. Um, PSV. Crazy. Ajax by a point. Final with three points behind with a game in hand. Some good stuff going to be happening there in the uh, after the uh, after the World Cup break. I was tempted to go the Sierra Leone Premier League, but we don't do that on this show. So I'm going to go with the obvious one, the English Premier League. Love what the Arsenal are doing. Going to touch on them more. That battle of Manchester City is going to be one to watch throughout the rest of the season. Jay. Uh, you know what? I, I've enjoyed the German one so far with some of those underrated names up there. So I'm going to go for the Bundesliga for now. Not that I expect it to remain a title race for much longer. Yeah, I'm going for Serie A, and even though Napoli have gone and got this big lead, I still think that that title race is not over yet. And there was a great question coming in from Letitia early on to you, James. She was asking, how far do you think Napoli can go in Serie A? Real quickly, how far can they go? Can they win it? Well, yeah, I don't think any team that's had this much of a, a margin uh, at the start of the season hasn't won Serie A. I think that they're going to win it, yeah. Hmm. All right, God, let's, move on. Right. let's move on to best player here. James, we'll begin with you. This guy Erling Haaland's quite good. <laughs> Never heard of him. Mike, <laughs> ah, you stole my obvious choice. I'm going to go Victor <laughs> Osiman. This guy is one of the revelations from. You know, he missed half the season, right? I still think he has that bit of a difference for Napoli. If they're going to win a title, he will continue to get hot. I pick him. Africa. Woof. Good choice. Uh, Mike Lahoud has skinned the defense and left me with a tap in on the goal line. <laughs> it's got to be Gravadonna in, in tribute to Nigel Rio Coca, not here. <laughs> I love it. And can you pronounce his name correctly for Nigel, who's probably watching the show right now? Very good. That's probably the best pronunciation <laughs> here. Um, I'm going to go outside of Erling Haaland. I'm going to go for Christopher Nkunku, obviously, following mm. the Bundesliga so closely. Guys, just unbelievable to watch. And also yeah. Jude Bellingham, a close second. My, oh my, I absolutely freaking love this kid. Biggest surprise, James Bench. Who you got here? This one's a tough one. Um. I'm going to go for more of a moment. Uh, I would say, even though it's with the new dawns that we were promised at Chelsea, I still think that sacking Champions League winner and elite level coach Thomas Tuchel remains yeah. the, the biggest surprise I've seen uh, so far this season. Good one. Oh, Benj, that is very, very creative. I'm going to go Champions League because we are the House of Champions. Club Brugge and Benfica. Love what those two teams have done. The audacity to go into some of the household names of European football and not just get draws, but get results. Go for the win. I love that. It makes this competition better. 
you know what? I'm going to be boring old JJ now. Aston Villa 3, Manchester United 1. <laughs> first, first league win over United at home in 27 years. But more to the point, we actually now have a semi-competent manager. So I'm delighted. I'm going to be boring as well. I'm going to stick with the Bundesliga and go for Freiburg, not Union mm. Berlin. Freiburg for what they're doing in European competition as well as the Bundesliga. Just a, a fun team to watch. The craziest manager and Christian Streich is absolutely insane in the brain. Uh, biggest disappointment, James Bench. What do you got for me? Uh, FC Barcelona, who spent, uh, remortgaged the property, spent hundreds, uh, over 100 million uh, and are right back where they were at this stage last season. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to a team that's near and dear to our producer, Des Norris's heart. Ruthless <laughs> in this choice. Atletico Madrid. They have not won a match in the last five matches. Losses to Cavis and Mallorca ain't going to get it done. Might be time for Cholo de Vamos. Man, I'm just surprised that you were actually expecting anything from Atleti to start with. My choice is Juventus. Absolutely dreadful domestically and continentally. I know they beat Inter recently, but it's not going to cut it for me. Can I say Liverpool? Just Liverpool mm-hmm. disappointed me, and I'm waiting for them to explode. Well, haven't Barca disappointed? Uh, Bayern disappointed you, given that you <laughs> wanted them to implode since like day one. They're probably my biggest surprise, but I didn't want to go there because I didn't want to bring it up again. But thanks, JJ, for bringing it up. Uh, best manager, the one that stood out to you the most across uh, Europe's top five leagues. It can be obviously in European mm. competition as well. Yeah, this one's very, very easy. It's the man that hasn't just got his team to a level no one expected, but the man mm. that's changed the culture of an entire club, changed the fan base, changed everything. It is, of course, Mikel Arteta. Yeah, uh, I love great, that great shout. Job. Love the shout. Love uh, everything about him. I'm going to go to, you mentioned the league before, a guy who took over a team that's near and dear to his heart, Ruud van Nistelrooy, what he's doing with PSV, mm. getting the best. The decision to keep Cody Gapko is massive. He will be a potential breakout star at this World Cup for the Netherlands should he get in the lineup, but love what he's doing with that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my last choice and say Franquez. I mean, I think it's phenomenal. I'm going to go for Luciano Spalletti at Napoli. I didn't see Napoli doing anything near the sorts of what they are doing right now. It's fun to watch, and uh, he's just an interesting character on the bench there. So really, really impressive with him. So there you go. That was our uh, mid-season um, awards as the champions. We're pretty excited about what's happening around Europe's top five leagues, obviously discussing it every single week with our team. Um, and we've made our say. So if you've got a say as well, Rafa Car- Cardenas is also saying biggest disappointment for him is Manchester United. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So keep your comments coming. No matter what we're talking about, you're always welcome to jump in the conversation. We're going to move along to the Premier League and preview this weekend's fixtures. We begin with uh, Newcastle against Chelsea. Uh, I guess before we get there, before we get there, I want to just discuss James Bench because I forgot about this. The England squad that was just announced. So let's get into that before we get into the fixtures. What are your thoughts, initial reaction, disappointments and excitement? Yeah, I think it is pretty much fine obviously the the most intriguing call is James Madison I do think we sometimes tend to blow up the importance of a player who is kind of got what going to be fifth attacking midfielder off the bench Uh, I think England are a little bit a little bit light in wing backs and I would urge Gareth Southgate not to continue trying to play Bukayo Saka at left wing back just because he played there for Arsenal several years ago in a pinch a lot, there's a lot of debate about the defence, and I know that Mike will probably want to have his say on this, but these are players that have achieved an awful lot on the international stage. You are going to have that back three eventually of Carl Walker, 
John Stones and Harry Maguire. We know that is a hugely effective centre-back trio. And like, it doesn't matter that Harry Maguire doesn't play that well in a four for Man United. He's going to be playing in a three for England. I think they're going to be fine. You know, beyond the quarterfinals, it's a it's a bit luck of the draw, a bit, you know, who you meet on that day and, and what mood you're in. But I, I don't think England are any worse off having named this squad than they were beforehand. And I know people like to get angry about these things, but I think it's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. When I when I think of international teams, I think of two things. Is it favoritism and loyalty or meritocracy? Why is Tamori not in this team? His two worst matches of the season for Milan were against Chelsea. Every other game, he's been a stalwart in the back line. I see the likes of that. I see the likes of not including a Tammy Abraham. You do get Callum Wilson in the team. I'm okay with that. But when you have your favorites, Calvin Phillips hasn't seen a football pitch since he last played FIFA. Like, yep. These are decisions. Uh, that what worry what about Grealish as well? Jack Grealish as well. These are decisions. You go for form. Yes, you said that these players have performed in the past. Asterisks on performed in the past. A lot of these players aren't playing meaningful minutes yet. People can, can I just say on Grealish, people confuse goal contributions with form. And this is my kind of thing with Madison. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's kind of doing loads in the final third. But people are arguing, pick Madison over Manked. But Mank does so much more than put the ball in the net. So does Grealish. I know he's not been as good this season with Man City as he was last. But last season, he was fantastic for Man City. Really, really good. It just didn't reflect. Like, whenever you watched him, you're like, this guy's a great winger. But he was a winger that didn't kind of have the final ball. I bet he was one of the top players in the league for second assists. I mean, I, okay. I do agree with Mike on, on Tamori. I think that's a, a really tough one for him. And I would hope that if there's an injury to the centre-backs, he will be the next one up. But he he himself, and you know, I was on a call with him a few weeks ago, he himself would tell you he's not been playing as well this season as he can, as he did last yeah. season. And this is what Southgate said, you know, they weren't playing well enough to convince him to pick them over someone that he where he knows what, what they can do. So, I mean, I would take Tamori over Maguire, but I don't think it's a big deal. But then if he's factoring in current form to not taking Tamori, yeah. you know, Grealish is very lucky to be in that pick because his form hasn't been great this season. Yeah, I mean, I, t- I take your point. And yes, you know, he wasn't perhaps as bad as people suggested last season because they were just looking at the basic numbers of the goals and assists. But it, it feels like, uh, you know, Southgate has these little... I don't know. I don't really want to throw out the word vendettas as a, as a Villa fan, but it feels like, uh, you know, you get told one thing or you hear one thing when somebody is pushing to get into the international setup, playing for one club. They finally get to one of the, the bigger clubs and then they almost get away with murder in terms of poor form. Well, let me just tell you the comments have just jumped up right here. We've got one from Loishes. He says, is Kyle Walker fit? Question mark. And uh, Guy Bush, uh, 3P Wood, he says, fine. Uh, Phillips is in the squad as a total joke. Also says Mount has been tosh for over a year now. <laughs> and then we've got Smalling Short versus Osman. why he deserved to get snubbed. So a couple of interesting comments right there. Certainly piqued the reaction from a lot of people in our comments. Uh, Producer Des does not want to stay on this discussion, so we're going to move on. Let's move on to the Premier League fixtures coming up this weekend. We begin with Newcastle against Chelsea. Some cracking games, obviously, this weekend. England is really going to be exciting. Newcastle against Chelsea. Newcastle in third spot, JJ, against Chelsea, who are in seventh spot. Six points separate these two sides. I mean, Newcastle have won their last four Premier League games in a row. They're undefeated in nine Premier League games. Chelsea, no wins in their last four and lost uh, a couple in the last two, right? So um, disappointment there for Chelsea, but who's favourite going into this game? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Newcastle could stretch that gap uh, by the end of the weekend. You'd have to fancy Newcastle at the moment based on the form they're in. I mean, I had to sit through watching Villa get completely ripped to shreds by them a week or so ago. And, uh, you know, they they really have the the momentum with them at the moment. Really impressive. You do wonder sort of if they can maintain that after the World Cup break. But for me, Chelsea are one of the teams that will benefit the most from the World Cup break. Not necessarily because, uh, you know, of, of, of the players who will or won't go to the tournament, but just so that Graham Potter can actually get you know, his head down, analyze what's gone on, work out the areas that need a bit of work, uh, you know, ahead of the resumption of, uh, of action. Because at this moment in time, you know, things are, I'm not going to say unraveling for Chelsea, but it, it's, he's hit a bit of a bumpy patch and we know it's going to take time, you know, for him to really get his ideas across for, for him to really stamp his authority on that squad. But, uh, you know, it, it does feel like the longer that this run, you know, goes on, Chelsea would probably stack up a, a few poor results. So it's probably for the best that this is the last game before the, uh, the World Cup break. I think Chelsea are in big trouble going up against this Newcastle team because Newcastle, they are rampant on the counter. Chelsea is a team that hasn't looked effective on the defensive part of counterattacks. When they commit a lot of numbers forward, they're leaving three or four players back, very vulnerable in transition. For Newcastle, I look at a couple players, massive, massive last chance saloon to stake their claim for minutes for their respective World Cup squads. Callum Wilson, does he get more minutes based on a big match like this to convince Gareth Southgate to get him on the field to play alongside Harry Kane when it's needed? And also, Miguel Amiron, this guy is one of the unsung heroes of this Premier League season. I love how he's playing. That combination between he and Bruno Gimenez, love this guy. He's a player that I wonder if Chiche is taking a closer look at because I think he's ready to step in. I think he's just one spot, one notch below Casemiro for that starting spot in midfield for Brazil. I loved his reaction as well, getting noticed um, from the Brazilian squad. I mean, I love seeing all the Brazilian reactions, but his in particular, I mean, it's emotional, babies and all this type of thing. you got your family involved in the selection process. It's pretty impressive. James, I've got a question for you about Chelsea. I mean, obviously, you're, you're in the London scene, the, the sports media scene. You know, what is the discussion? What is the thought on the job that Graham Potter's doing so far for Chelsea Football Club? Not just necessarily amongst the media, but also from the fans themselves of Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good question that go, kind of goes back to what we were talking about in terms of the biggest surprises and letting Thomas Tuchel go. And that there is still a sort of rump of Chelsea fans that are still are not happy that miss Thomas Tuchel. You, if you leave Stamford Bridge after a defeat or a disappointing result, like the last three times I've left Stamford Bridge, I've heard people sing the Thomas Tuchel chant. I've not heard anyone sing a Graham Potter chant at all. <laughs> so there is sort of, there's work to be done. Um and I think he's inherited this at a more difficult position than we maybe appreciated. Uh, this was really apparent last weekend. There is no midfield. There is no functioning midfield, and uh, there won't be because N'Golo Conte is never coming back like he was. Mm. The forwards are not Potter forwards. They don't press. They don't you know, work hard off the ball. And actually, a lot of them, I, just, I find Kai Havertz, baffling because I think he's a wonderful player that I that you need to build a team around but I don't know if he's wonderful enough to build the Chelsea team around that's a great so point all those things I think this is a really tough position and as JJ said you know they just need to get to the World Cup break when Reese James comes back he papers over a lot of the cracks he's their best defender he's their best creator um you know that that's kind of where they need to get to and Potter needs that time on the training field we saw it took time one thing I'd say I asked him last week 
you know, when because this is obviously after a defeat to Mikel Arteta, who had an awful lot of rope at Arsenal. Mm. I said, you know, is this proof that you need time? And it was really interesting because you would expect a manager given a, a, a question like that to just go, yeah, 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 absolutely. Give me time. And he said, no, I've got to earn that time. Um, it's n- nothing guaranteed in this job. I think he understands that with Chelsea, even in this Todd Burley era, the fans, the culture, and no matter how much it might change over the coming years, it's all been built, forged under Abramovich. And when the re- if the results don't pick up quickly enough, doesn't matter what everyone at Chelsea thinks. You know, he doesn't. He needs to win quickly, and he he can't afford this slide to carry on into yeah. the uh, into the post um, post World Cup period. Great comment coming in from Matt Osmond. He says, Bolly will sack Graham Potter next summer. That is a prediction right there from Matt, one of our favourites coming in the chat here. Uh, let's get your predictions on this result here. We'll begin with Newcastle against Chelsea. JJ, what you got? 2-1 Newcastle. Mike? 2-0 uh, Newcastle. And the caveat, you'll see Todd Bowley's private jet leaving Gatwick or Heathrow to go to Ibiza to try and rehire Thomas Tuchel. No, <laughs> 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 no. No, no. I'm going for Newcastle to score a ton of goals in this game. I'm going for a Ooh. 3-1 win for Newcastle. I think they're going to be very good. Let's move on to Fulham against Manchester United. Fulham ninth and only four points behind Manchester United to our fifth in the table. Fulham lost only one in their last five. Manchester United lost only one from their last six. Um, I guess it would come to you, Mike, first and foremost. What kind of reaction are you expecting from Manchester United after their hammering? And the smile on the face from JJ's Aston Villa last week. <laughs> uh, you're assuming they don't get hammered uh, tonight as well, Thursday. Ah, uh, JJ, take that smirk. I, I, I was in pain looking at the group chat and thinking about what would be for this show and having to answer to not just Jonathan Johnson, but James Benj, because I know Benj is ruthless when it comes to United and poor performances. I'm looking for a massive reaction. Eric Ten Hag going into this match, he's calling for a fighting spirit. And that's just it. When Manchester United, when they fight, when they compete, they have the quality. The miss of Bruno Fernandez not being in the team, it just shows how pivotal he is to everything that they do. He's been the captain for a reason. Get him back in the lineup and good things happen. I think it's a bit too much to put on the creative shoulders of Christian Eriksen in this game. I expect a big response against Fulham. I already know uh, James Benj's thoughts on the EFL Cup, but <laughs> bearing in mind the the Europa League draw <laughs> is, you know, surely there has to be some importance placed on the on on the cups for United. I mean, yes, Champions League qualification in the league is still possible, but you know, you you can you can arguably say yeah, EFL Cup doesn't really matter if they go out, but then getting such a difficult draw in the Europa League. I mean, do you fear sort of getting to the end of say February or just the beginning of March and United being you know out of one of the two domestic cups and out of Europe as well? I I don't just yet because I think this is a team that is still trying to find itself. They're still dealing with the CR seven uh, debacle of his impact on the team. What I do like about United and them having different competitions to play in is the impact of having young players like Alanga and other players who have come through the academy system. The more minutes they get, the more they can be effective in competitions like the FA Cup and EFL Cup. Teams that compete on different landscapes in Europe, you have to go to your youth and then it saves up the big matchups, the top four, top six in the Premier League, your Europa League tie against Barcelona, which that will be a blockbuster matchup, one of their biggest games of the season. It frees up for the marquee names to play in those games. Give me a prediction, Mike. Ah, you know, I'm thinking 2-1 United. 
2-1 United. You don't seem so confident about that one. JJ, what you got? Yeah. I'm going to say 1-0 United. And they'll lose to Villa in the AFL Cup. <laughs> James, I hope. Fulham give up a lot of expected goals. Uh, I'm going to go 3-0 United. Hmm. 3-0 Manchester United. I'm going for a win for Manchester United by two goals to nil here. Fulham have been really impressive, though. Really difficult to beat, yeah. and especially at yeah. home. They're fun to watch, exciting to watch, probably not talking about them enough. And as I mentioned before, they're only four points behind Manchester United, so there's a point there to try and get closer to United and closer to the top five if they can get a victory. But I just don't see it happening against this United, who need to react. And of course, as JJ pointed out also tonight. Let's move on to Tottenham against Leeds. Spurs fourth in the table um, have lost already four games. Leeds, who are 12th in the table, 11 points behind Spurs. James Benjamin, come to you for this one here because you're going to be in attendance at that game. Um, I mean, obviously, lost in the Premier League, lost in the League Cup over the last two. What kind of response are you expecting from Spurs? I mean, this is a massive game against a Leeds side that are pretty much confident outside of the EFL Cup performance recently. Yeah, I mean, well, first thing I'm expecting is Tottenham to concede the first goal because it seems to be all they do at the moment. Um, and clearly it's a good strategy because they start playing quite good football when they go a goal or two down. But it's <laughs> it's a bit baffling. Um, I think this could be a real... I mean, obviously we've already said Tottenham are, are struggling. Mm. I think this could be an even tougher game. You have a team that is a bit lacking in spark a bit lacking in oomph against a Leeds team that will throw everything everything at their opponents no team is quite as gung-ho as daring and fearless as Leeds I think there'll be a few players there like Tyler Adams and uh, Brendan Aronson who might also feel like they have a point to prove and might be tempted to leave one in on Harry Kane we can blame them <laughs> yes that's uh, a yeah. great point that's yes, a great point <laughs> is it would you not be I mean, it'd be dreadfully unsporting behaviour, but you're telling me Tyler Adams wouldn't be applauded into the USMNT camp if he, you know, kind of... He'll be applauded on the show if he does that, let alone the camp. I mean, I would, I would be very anti that. Of course, I don't think any professional... And Mike and Ian, you'll tell me, no professional would ever go out to injure an opponent. No, of not course not. Not Nigel Rio Coker, of course. Um, <laughs> I have no comment but, uh, on this subject. Yeah, I'm sure you did, Ian, once or twice. But um, well, I've got... I've I've got a quick question for you guys on the topic of Spurs. If Spurs lose this to Leeds, given their recent results, surely that makes Conte the manager on the hottest seat in the Premier League at this moment in time. There's a few who are just sort of there and thereabouts. No, you don't think that is James. You don't think his next like outburst of not having enough money to get the competitive squad that he can needs I just tell you, JJ, on deaf ears. Yeah. There are one, two, three, four, yeah. five, six <laughs> bosses who are, are more favorable in the odds as far as getting fired, who the next manager is going to Thank be fired you. is. So Conte is at 12 to 1, which we want plus 1,200 to be the next man to get fired. So go ahead, Mike. You got a comment on that? Yeah, look at where they – for as bad as they've been playing, look at where they are in the table. They're, they top their group. It's miracle working based on the shoulders of Harry Kane in the Premier League and I think through the play of – Hoybier and Bentacore in the Champions League, they're still getting results. Don't know how, but they're still not in the worst possible area. They're not meeting the expectations of potential title contenders, but I think the World Cup great break will be the best thing for Conte and this team as well. Great point. I, what not, about I'm Jesse sure Marsh? Go ahead. Go ahead, James. That was a good point. I, I, I just think that a few of those Spurs players are going to end up going very deep. You know, important players, Kane, mm, yep. Romero, they're going to, Lloris. And they're going to come back and run them. So I think they're already run into the ground. Well, wasn't um, there a comment coming today, James, about Harry Kane being tired? And uh, yeah, 
and he's not getting he's not getting any rest at the World Cup. He's not getting any rest um, when he comes back either. I think Spurs oh. are really struggling from. It, it's difficult because part of it is injuries. Like they have Harry Kane is their only fit senior forward at the moment. I believe. I mean, Kulusevski's coming back into things. But I mean, also, you know, Conte didn't take earlier opportunities to rest and rotate. Um, so actually, I, I, I'm quite worried as to how they will look when they come back from the World Cup. I think it's going to be quite, quite tough on them. And, and like you say, Mike, you know, it's part partly you think if they do improve, if the you know the the quality of performances improves, and these are the results they get when they're playing badly. But equally, if they've been playing badly for three, four months, part mm. of you also thinks maybe they're just going to be a team that play badly and eventually the results will reflect that more than they do. Either could be right, mm-hmm. but you know, I haven't seen much evidence of them playing well when the game is all square, which is quite important in football, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into our predictions real quickly before we get out here and get to break. Tottenham against Leeds, uh, obviously a big game. Michael Hood, what you got? Given the run of form that Leeds is in, I still pick 3-2 Tottenham. JJ? I'm going to say 2-2. Good result. James? Yeah, I'm going with JJ, 2-2. Don't see it. I think this Leeds train is just um, hanging on desperately. The last two games, I get it. They've had big wins. I get it. I'm not buying it all the way through, though. I love Jesse Marsh. I want to see him do well, but I just don't see these players being enough for him. I think Tottenham are far far too strong for them. I think they win this game easily. Um, Okay, let's have a look at the other fixtures that are taking place this weekend. Obviously, a couple of big ones that stand out to us. Bournemouth against Everton. Uh, Frank Lampard hanging on desperately right now. Manchester City against Brentford. Another good one. Liverpool against Southampton. Wolves against the Arsenal as well. James Bench, any fixture that stands out to you from this list right here at the weekend I mean I I do quite like the look of um, Brighton against Aston Villa I have to say I thought Brighton played very very well um, and have have improved quite a bit under Roberto De Zerbi great start by Unai Emery but I mean I'm intrigued what his team looks like on the road Um, I think you know give him a a good pre-season which he's kind of going to get with a lot of his players and we could see quite good Aston Villa I was quite down on this appointment but Good start. So uh, I'm intrigued by that one. Well, I've, All right, I've got one. Go ahead, Mike. I've got one. Just to add to that very quickly. West Ham versus Leicester City. With the inclusion of James Madison, the World Cup squad, he will be so excited to try and prove a point to validate his World Cup inclusion. West Ham, it might be hammer time on a potential replacement and sacking of David Moyes. All right, producer Dez is freaking out here. We got to go to break here. He's going absolutely <laughs> mental here behind the scenes. Uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll have a look at the upcoming fixtures that's taking place in Serie A, Bundesliga, and League One. Uh, you are watching House of Champions. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
All right, welcome back, everyone. You're watching House of Champions. Uh, just to let you all know, if you're looking for a month free of Paramount Plus action, P Plus have a one-month free trial offer code as you have for 22. Scan a QR code on the screen or follow the link in the description as well. Um, let me also remind you, as producer Des has put it in, that there are no breaks in the soccer calendar. And to celebrate that fact, Paramount Plus is offering listeners 50% annual savings on the P Plus subscriptions overall. So you have a Champions League, Europa League, Serie A, NWSL, and much, much more. So click on the link in the description or scan the QR code on the screen. And your offer code is all year. It's not UEFA 22. I was wrong. It's all year to save 50% on your annual P Plus subscription. My fault for offering you one month free. Now you just get 50%. All right, everybody. Let's get into it. Serie A discussion. Um, we're going to move along a lot faster than we did in the first half of the show. We're going to move into Italian league. Looking forward to this game. Juventus against Lazio. Uh, last four Serie A games for Juventus have been four wins, eight goals scored and zero goals conceded. Um, are we seeing a Juventus that can finally make a push for a top four finish, JJ? I mean, what's going on with this Juve side? They're starting to get people back healthy again. Yeah, they're starting to get players back healthy again, and I think there will be an improvement based on that. But I still think that there's they leave a lot to be desired. I don't think that they had so many players out that the results should have been as bad as they've been up until recently. Obviously, Chiesa coming back is a big, big boost, but like when they actually get him back fully fit and in form, that's probably still going to be another couple of months down the line. Uh, I just, I mean, I, 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 I don't really by this whole sort of, you know, Allegri is maybe being a bit hard done by with some of the comments. I, I think Juve were dreadful in Europe and I think they've been well off the pace up until recently domestically. I know they're improving now, but I still think he's got a long way to go to save that job ultimately. I mean, we know now that he's probably going to be in place until the end of the season, but I'm still not convinced that he's the man for the for the job for what Juve need moving forward. All right, let me get a prediction here from you, Michael Hood, because I know you want to talk about Lazio. You gave them the kiss yeah. of death, but they've been phenomenal. <laughs> the results have been incredible. Yeah. They, in my opinion, they could be a favorite going into this game. So give me a quick comment, give me a prediction, and then we'll move on. Uh, thank you for giving Lazio their just credence and well-deserved, well-earned plaudits. This is a Lazio team that for the last month or so have been without their best player, Chiro Mobile. He's been on the sidelines coming back, and it's been the likes of Felipe Anderson, Pedro doing his job being, whether playing as a second striker or playing as a winger, they have a flexibility and adaptability under Sorry that I haven't seen before, either playing a 4-4-2 or playing a 4-3-3. This game is going to come down to their midfield and how they cope with Juve's midfield. The youth movement of Juventus for Jolie and Merchetti, they've been revelations for Juventus. And I just, I think because of the big game nature of this and the big game result that Lazio's gotten, the consistency in results, I favor Lazio. And Lazio, a closer game favors them. I see a 1 0 result in this for Lazio. James Bench, prediction? Oh, um, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not super sold on either team. Um, both of them struggle to score from open play and create chances from open play. So I'll say 1 0. JJ? Yeah, draw sounds about right. Um, I don't really want to throw a nil-nil out there, but go on. I'm going with uh, Michael here. I'm going for Lazio to win this game by one goal to nil. Juve are on a bit of a push right now, but I'm just seeing this Lazio side only one loss in the last eight games. They're doing some pretty good work over there. Um, let's move on to Atalanta against Inter. Atalanta have gone from second in Serie A all the way down to fifth after losing three of the last four games. Um, what's gone wrong with this Atalanta side, Mike, if anything? Yeah, the, Luis Muriel, he is 
their talisman and he hasn't featured. I know that he got a red card a couple matches ago. I think that strike partnership, Adama Lookman on the bench last game, midweek, maybe with this game in mind, he has been a spark plug for them. Who do you play? Do you play Muriel? Do you play Zapata? Do you play Lookman? I think they're still trying to figure out who their best strike partnership and front three are at the end of the day. They're a team that were very good defensively at the start of the season, but they're absorbing way too much pressure and not producing enough offensively. A lot of goals coming from penalty kicks. You can't really sit back in Serie A, absorb, absorb, absorb. They're teams that are way too good. If you don't give any threat to change momentum, you know, you'll, you'll get punished. Inter responded with a fantastic victory after getting beat by Juve by smashing Bologna by six goals to one. They've really turned it on, won five of the last six. So I'm going for an Inter win in this game, which is a surprise. JJ, what are you going for, Atalanta Inter? Yeah, this one's uh, th- this one's an interesting one. I mean, <clears throat> I think at this moment in time, I'd probably be tempted to go for the for the Inter one, but it's the kind of game where Atalanta, you know, really need to get the result in order to arrest that sort of mini slump. And I don't know, it just sometimes feels like, you know, Atalanta only have sort of a, a limited capacity under Gasparini, you know, and I think a lot of our expectations are based on what we've seen from them over the last couple of years, notably in the Champions League. Uh, and, you know, it just feels like, I don't know, maybe there's a bit of staleness uh, that's starting to to creep in because even though positionally their start to the season was good, sort of statistically, it wasn't quite the same Atalanta of old, that sort of explosive quality that, you know, made everyone want to tune in and watch their matches. So yeah, for me, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say Gasparini's job is under threat, certainly not for what he's achieved over the last couple of years. But I don't know, maybe it, maybe there needs to be a few more personnel changes because there is still quite a solid core of players that were kept together from that, you know, the, what we can call the halcyon days, I guess. Yeah, great point. Give me a prediction. I'm going to say Inter win it 1-0. James? Yeah, Inter 2-0. Mike, did you give yours? No, no, no. I, I blathered about about how crap Atlanta are. Didn't give a prediction, so I'll give that here. I go Inter. I go Inter two 0 I, I love what they're doing in midfield. Yes, the goals are coming in up top, but the play of Barella, Chernoglu playing in that deep lying position, and Picatarian, the former Arsenal man, former Roma man, making the wise move to go to Inter. All right, quick comment from James on Milan against Fiorentina and a prediction. James, what do you got? It's a big game actually for Milan. Big game for Milan. I think they really struggled of late, haven't they? Drew, drew away to Cremonese. Shocking l- game, by the way. That yeah. no-no game was yeah. dreadful to watch. Needed a last-minute goal as well to beat Spezia. It seems like they put so much into the Salzburg game that they're one of many teams that just could do with this all being over. I think Fiorentina are very much the reserve. Uh, re- reserve? Reverse. They could keep going. They could do this all day. Um, I still fancy Milan just by virtue of their quality. To, to get the job done, but I don't think this will be easy at all. Prediction, please. 1-0. Mike, what you got? I go 2-1, Milan. I think they, in that nil no draw, a lot of rotation. Uh, they played 3-5-2 formation. They typically play 4-2-3-1. Don't make an excuse for a shocking performance, man. It was dreadful to <laughs> they were, they were still one of the worst games I've watched. They were still Terrible. crap, but but that does impact when you don't have some of your, your, your usual suspects. I think they get back to basics and get back in the win column. 2-1. JJ, score. 1-1. One, one. Uh, I think that Fiorentina have been disappointing so far this season, but they started to find a bit of form. So I'm going to go for a draw here, but they're going to really need to step up their game in the second half of the season. 
All right, I'll rattle through the Bundesliga for you. That is Serie A. Uh, Bundesliga, last match day in Bundesliga until January 20th. Really looking forward to some of the games. Freiburg against Union Berlin. That's third against second in the Bundesliga. Gladbach against Borussia Dortmund. It's Joe Scali against Giovanni Reina. Really looking forward to that game as well. Schalke against Bayern, even though Schalke are shockingly bad at the bottom of the table. They did get a win in midweek. They're playing against Bayern Munich, and that game is always a massive statement for the Bundesliga. Germany also just released their squad here. Uh, terrifically impressive squad. Mukoko impressive to see him in the squad. Nigel Rio Coker will be happy with that one. James Benz, quick comment on the Germany squad that was recently released. Do you have anything to say? Yeah. You know which one really intrigued me? The very deliberate decision to take Armel Bella Kotchup, it seems, ahead of Mats Hummels. Mm. I think this is a good squad, but I think it's a squad that's kind of been picked with an eye on 2024, the Euros at home, and 2026. There's obviously, you know, you still, when you have Muller, Sane, players of that level, Gnabry up front. Great to see Mario Goetze back, by the way, as well. Um, you can win the whole tournament, maybe, but this feels like a, a squad with, with with at least half an eye on the future, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there are a couple of things to take away from it. I, I like the inclusion of Fulkrug. I know that there's been a lot made about sort of what he brings in terms of a different profile in attack. Uh, that's something that we've not really seen as much from, from Germany sort of since the, the Miroslav Klose era of like having that, you know, sort of target man that you can look for in terms of his uh, physical profile. Uh, the other one as well, uh, you know, quite a, a bit of sad news. Marco Royce, uh, you know, just yeah. ultimately falling Season. short in his bid to get back yeah. into the into the World Cup squad. You know, I feel like, unfortunately, he just seems to get, you know, his hopes, uh, you know, in this tournament stolen every time he gets close to the to the squad. I mean, fingers crossed that he can somehow make it through the next four years and maybe get himself into contention. But it does seem like a, a long shot at this point. So gutting for him. Michael, you've got no chance for a comment here because producer guys, we've got to move on to League On. That's the Bundesliga for you. Let's get on to League On because Monaco against Marseille. Michael, we will give you a comment right here. But a big one, uh, JJ, obviously Monaco against Marseille. I'm looking forward to also seeing PSG in action against Auxerre. Uh, but let's discuss uh, French football. What should we be watching? Which is the biggest game? Talking points and who have you been speaking to? Well, I think, uh, you know, Monaco-Marseille is is definitely the, the big game of the weekend, something to, to definitely keep an eye on. Monaco can go into the top four and finish there for the for the World Cup break if they beat Marseille. Marseille obviously been off the boil recently. I spoke to uh, Monaco sporting director Paul Mitchell, uh, you know, really, really interesting chat as, uh, as always. And it sounds like Monaco's season is more or less going sort of as they hoped and they will definitely look to push on. Uh, and try and solidify that top four spot uh, between the the return of a, a domestic action at the end of December and the end of the season. I think this is a massive matchup for Marseille. Two-door watch after the Champions League debacle. These are, and JJ, you and I offline, and I think even in the group chat, we're talking about this, is if you're not going to compete at the highest level in Europe, you have to guarantee Champions League football. And for Tudor and this team, I still have a lot of question marks. You're playing some of your key attackers from last year. What, what do you make of his decision to sell Gerson to Flamengo? I, For me, there's a stubbornness about Igor Tudor that I think will be his demise in the end. He's playing predominantly defensive midfielders and leaving attackers on the bench, something he didn't do last year. It's what got them in this position to qualify for Europe. And Alexis Sanchez is not the answer as a false nine. He, he's been inconsistent, but you have a player like Bamba Dieng. I know he's a bit of a bad, battering ram, but he's a guy who's going to the World Cup. You got to start playing him. He scores a goal, and then you put him on the bench the next game. I, there's, there's just a different 
level of stubbornness I haven't seen from the likes of Tudor in a while. And that, I just wonder if that's going to cost him in the long run with this team. JJ? No, no I, I certainly think those points are, are well-founded and the, the concerns over Tudor uh, you know, are, are well-documented. Uh, just one last thing to look out for uh, this weekend. I mean, it seems crazy to be saying it's seven years since the uh, the Paris attacks. There will be a PSG commemorative shirt, I believe, to you know to remind people of all of the, the victims of that uh, atrocity. Final thoughts. Well said as well, JJ. Final thoughts from you, James Bench. Uh, do you have anything about League 1 or anything to do with this weekend <laughs> to offer before we get out of here? Do I have anything to say about Liga? Absolutely not. Um, I'm just looking. I'm just looking forward to seeing uh, every player who might be going to the World Cup pulling out of all those 50-50 jewels. This is a great time to be a, uh, a staple in your league team without going to the World Cup. I think Erling Haaland maybe is going to properly eat up the goals as uh, all his defenders try to avoid getting injured. Boys, great stuff as always. Uh, Producer Des will be very happy because we hit our 45-minute mark here, maybe about 20 seconds before we get out of here. I'm going to use all 20 seconds of it to say thanks to everybody out there for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Thanks to everybody out there for watching in. You're dropping in your comments and let us know how you think about the show. We do the show for you. This is your show. Um, I am not a host here. I'm a co-host here along said James Benj, Jonathan Johnson, Michael LaHood, and Nigel Rio Coker. We have Fabrizio Romano jumping in every week as well, every now and again, to give us uh, his comments and, and share his uh, opinions about the beautiful game, but also let us know the inside secrets to the transfer market and what's going on behind the scenes. Great stuff as always, boys. I appreciate you. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy your games. If you're going out there, be safe. Enjoy every single one of them. Last domestic match day before the World Cup begins. So what I will say to all of you is enjoy a little bit of a break right now because when the World Cup comes around, we are going to be working 24-7. Thanks to everybody out there. We'll see you next time. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.